0: Welcome to The Shmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Shakar Pinsker. Shakar is a specialist in modern Hebrew and Jewish literature and culture. He's interested in Hebrew literature written in Palestine, Israel, Europe, and America, as well as Jewish literature in Yiddish, English, German, and other languages. He holds a joint appointment at the Department of Near East Studies and the Frankel Center for Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan. He's also the author of the recently published A Rich Brew, How Cafes Created Modern Jewish Culture. Welcome, Shakar.
1: Thank you. I'm very happy to speaking with you and to be here.
0: Delighted to have you here. Uh, my only wish is that we were having this over a strong cup of coffee. Right. Alas. <laughs> <laughs> so your recent book, A Rich Brew, is, I have to say, it's a, just a great read. Um, it. it took me places that I never knew I was going to go and gave me a whole different sort of window into modern Jewish culture or the encounter of um, modernity for Jews. Can you tell me what drew you to tell this story?
1: Yeah, First of all, thank you so much. It, it, it also took me to places that I never thought I'm going to uh, to go and, and, and well, kind of outside of my comfort zone or... Uh, the, the The materials that I normally write about so it was kind of a journey uh, for me as well and it was it was also kind of an unexpected journey because i I really never if you would ask me some years ago if I would write a book on 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 coffee houses and modern Jewish culture, I would think you're crazy because i am i 'm a literary scholar and I normally deal with you know just with text and and do and and an analysis of text i wrote uh, about modernism uh, in the in the context of, of Hebrew literature and I write about Hebrew and Yiddish but mostly with uh, with text and and writers and so this was kind of really outside what I normally do um but but it 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 it, it really was a case of one thing leading to Uh, to another, and it was kind of unexpected, and I really enjoyed the ride. So, um, I mean, it it really started when I wrote my previous book, which is about uh, Hebrew modernism in Europe, um, a book called Literary Passport, The Making of Modernist Hebrew Fiction in Europe, and uh, in that book, one of the the parts of the book is about uh, the cities and the urban experience and one of the questions that I was interested in as I was doing research and writing this book is, you know, when, when, when we look at uh, at cities, at places like Odessa and Berlin and Vienna, where we know that that uh, Hebrew and Yiddish writers migrated to, I started to think a little bit like a historian, cultural historian, and, and, and also as a literary scholar, asking, you know, where where really people where located where did they go to um, you know when, when we talk about the influence of german literature let's say on Hebrew and Yiddish writers how did it, how this really came about? was the contact between writers? did people just read the text um, and and also when I looked at the literature itself, I found you know when people <coughs> when people are writing about um, the, the urban experience in, in fiction, in novels, or in poems, uh, or in short stories, um, one finds a lot of descriptions of coffee houses. And, uh, and and that was something that I noticed and a few other people noticed, but I don't think anyone really paid too much attention to it because it was kind of like, okay, you know, it's, 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 it's the background. You know, people met in coffee houses and cafes where... Described kind of alongside many other places, but um, but I, I I found myself coming again and again to the to the coffee house. And in the beginning, I'm talking here a long time ago. I uh, I really thought that I'm I'm kind of because I because I love coffee houses. I'm kind of drawn to these places. <laughs> I find these places in the research, uh, and and it took me a while to understand that no, there is something. There is something there. there is something that uh, uh, people didn't notice until now and once you think about it not so much as a background for you know kind of the important activity uh, but as, as, as something that that is worthwhile exploring by itself, you find um, you find very rich materials and that kind of was the process that i uh, uh, that, that, that took me to write to write this book um, you know, I should also say that I, even after I found all these materials and I started collecting them, I didn't really know what to do with it because I didn't think uh, initially that, uh, that writing about coffee houses is kind of academic enough or serious enough. So I, I collected these materials i didn 't know what to do with them, and it took a while to understand uh, I published some articles in in newspapers in hebrew and then one thing led to to another and I became convinced that it's uh, a very worth, worth worthwhile topic that really uh, deserves attention and uh, and that that's how i came to uh, to write to write the book i also I also got a sense that people are really interested in it, and many people have either personal connection, some of the older people still remember it, or even second or third generation of people who had family members, and people started sending me photographs and postcards and materials, and uh, and, and, and even some people who don't have the family connection, um, I think a lot of people feel this kind of nostalgia to some places that I've never been to which sounds a little strange but I think I think it's something that a lot of people, including myself, felt very strongly when we when we have these kind of very concrete spaces and the activity that they that went there and, and, and we have a kind of desire to enter this world.
0: Well it's such an interesting way to tell this story. Um, and so much, uh, and in reading your book, it's, it's apparent that so much played out in in these cafes. And in your introduction, you begin by telling immediately about the Yiddish and Hebrew writer Agnon's arrival in Limburg in 1907, mm-hmm. and you you chose to, to place him at the beginning of the book. I wonder if you can talk a little bit um, briefly about his arrival. And in a way, I think how it, it sets up the book and how it begins in a place and um, how we move forward from there.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, starting a book is always a problem. Where do you start? And especially with a book like this where there are so many different characters and so many different places, you know, what's, what's, the best, what's a good place to start? And it's, in some sense, it has to be almost random. But it, it, of course, it, it's not random. Uh, although Agnon is, is only one of many people, uh, you know he's a he's a very well known and important. You know he's, a, he's a, he won the Nobel Prize for his Hebrew writing, but really as a young person he started writing both Yiddish and Hebrew, and it took him a while to find his place. But in in, in, in meaning in the space of where he's going to live, because uh, he traveled a lot and also experimented with writing poetry and short stories and writing in Yiddish and writing in Hebrew, and um so, so, so he's in, in, in this sense, he's very exemplary, you know. Also, moving from a small town from Stettel, or from a small town, a place like Buchach, it's not really a shtetl but it is a small town in Galicia to Lemberg, and then f- and then traveling from Lemberg to Vienna, and then to Tel Aviv, and then to Berlin. Uh, you know, pe- people had diff- different kind of journeys and itineraries, but that was something that was very, very typical. Uh, uh, for, for so many of the producers of modern Jewish literature and culture, people like Agnon and, and moving from a small town <coughs> to a big city and then encountering the big city and the shock and the exhilaration of the big city and encountering many kind of urban institutions that they never saw before in a small town. And one of them was the coffee house and, uh, and, and then you see how people like Agnon when he goes, to, he goes to Lemberg for the first time, then he goes back to his town, to Buchach, then he goes to Lemberg again, and almost the first place where he, he goes to is the coffee house. And that seems kind of strange, right? I mean, there are so many places where you go to a new city. You could go. You can go to opera and museum and libraries, and you know, why would you go to 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 a coffee house? So there is a, this kind of magnet, this uh, attraction of, of 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 people to to the place. And, and 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 it's not it's not clear why. So I really wanted to start with with Agnon and his journey, uh, uh, as, uh, uh, you know, and, and what we know about Agnon from his biography, but even more so because he writes about it. Right? I mean, he takes the he takes these cafes, and very often, I mean, and, and Agnon is not is not the only one. There are many people who are doing it, uh, uh, and then the and then taking his own experience in in the coffee house and he turns it into really building block of, 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 of his fiction. And in this case, when he wrote his masterpiece novel, Tmol Shom, he takes this character, Yitzhak Kumer, which is very different from Agnon, but also built on Agnon's experience as a young man, uh, uh, to write about it. And, and this is a way for Agnon to kind of really explain to us why the coffee house. So through the eyes of Yitzhak Kumer, he's talking about this exhilaration of experience and how when he was in, a, in the small town, people would just meet each other on, in, in the street, because everybody knows everybody, and when you go to to a big city it 's not impossible anymore and and, and one, one has to go and, and meet in a coffee house and when Kumer goes there, he meets all these places that he read about and he only dreamt about meeting and then they were all there in the in the coffee house, so he describes it as this kind of magical place where it opens door for you and, and uh, 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 and takes you to places that you never knew you're going to, to to be able to get to. But there's also a lot of irony there uh, because describing describing the uh, uh, the waitresses, the waitress and the, and and the drinks and the food and everything around it, um, it's 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 kind of this naive uh, uh, way of thinking about how amazing because kind, of, kind of almost like a temple. Uh, uh, also typical because because we know that, you know, these places are places that can be exhilarating and open so many doors, but they're also places of many divisions and many issues around gender and class and who has access and who is in and who is out. So, you know, the the, the writers like Agnon experience the space of the cafe but, you know, since these places don't exist anymore For us to to get to understand it, you really I think that the best way to understand the activity that happened there and why these places were so productive and so important is is through literature and through the description of these places. And one of the prime examples is uh, is is Agnon. Again, there are are many, many, many examples throughout the book, but I thought that starting with Agnon is a very good. Try and understand what draws people to these places, and also how writers deal with it in their in their literature, in the fiction. It,
0: it is a great way to start. Um, and you mentioned that he was not the only one. I know um, sholomash appears in the book, and he he sort of hopscotches as well uh, from one place to another, which I think also speaks to the role of these coffee houses. Um, in terms of being a place to find community, to find culture, to find encounters when you're arriving in these new cities. And also, I think, you know, any literature, no matter what its language, uh, reflects its contemporary culture. And so that finds its way into these stories. You talk a little bit about, um, you know, waitresses, uh, the presence or lack thereof of women in coffee houses. So these are encounters both with modernity, with culture, and help to, again, shape our understanding of the these creative encounters. Would you tell us a little bit about that, um, as it, its role in terms of breaking boundaries, as it were?
1: Yes. Yeah, so... You know, I mean, it's 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 actually once once you start thinking about you know seemingly this kind of simple place, coffee house, something that we're so familiar with, you 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 start seeing how it fulfills so many different roles I mean and especially for Jews and especially for immigrants because this is really what the book is about it's about it's about Jews who are encountering modernity and, and urbanity in and the big cities uh, uh, coming from small places and kind of breaking out and encountering new cultures and and in different in different settings and this is a place of, of, of meeting one of maybe the only places where these meetings were were possible, right? Because the uh, for somebody like Scholemash, the young Scholemash, let's focus for a second on the mm-hmm. young Scholemash. Then later on it is becoming already kind of a big name so the dynamic changes. But you know, I think i think almost with everybody it starts with, with these people when they are young and they, they first come to the big city, whether it's Warsaw in Scholemash case or Lemberg in the Gnon's case or with other people in Odessa or in New York. Um, and, and and kind of this, this exposure to other writers, to other intellectuals, to journalists, to this whole new world of literature and culture. Right? And then and then you also have the fact that in all these cities there is a there is a there's a jewish culture and non-jewish culture right mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a multilingual culture right i mean most of these people that i write about are uh, growing up with yiddish as a, as the mother tongue but very often also with hebrew as uh, as the religious language and the language that they know uh, 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 very well from receiving traditional education and 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 really, when we come to the 19th century and early 20th century, very often also with knowledge of German or Polish or Russian or very often many of these languages. But, you know, knowing the language doesn't mean that they have any exposure to, uh, to the actual people, the writers, for example. You know, if, if you talk about if you think about Sholem Asch, there are actually a number of places where he goes to Warsaw, and first of all, going to places like Kotick's Cafe in in the Nalewski area, right? This is where he encounters all the writers like Kotick himself, who was an owner of a cafe and also uh, a writer, uh, uh, and also other young writers who are writing in Hebrew and in addition, other languages, right? But then later on going to a place like Ostrowski, also meeting some of the Polish writers, people that probably, writers like Ash, Uh, and and other yiddish writers would only know about from reading their stories in books or in journals and then actually encountering these people and we see the same thing happening in vienna and in berlin that this is an opportunity for people to meet uh, uh, other uh, uh, people writing in in other other languages that otherwise they would never have a chance of of meeting for all kinds of of reasons so, this, so the cafe is really, really opening many, many doors and many walls and, and, and facilitate this kind of meetings. It's also in a time when there are all kinds of divisions, political divisions and linguistic divisions. Uh, the the coffeehouse, one of the things that I find really fascinating about it is always a multilingual uh, uh, space. <laughs> There's never a Yiddish cafe or a Hebrew cafe or a German cafe. You know, even in Tel Aviv where they try to enforce Hebrew language, uh, it doesn't work, right? So so th- 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 there is a kind of meeting between languages, between Jews and non-Jews, between people from different walks of life. Um, But on on the other hand, I don't want to to idealize it and romanticize it as only a place of meeting, because it's also a place of many tensions and many divisions. So, you know, you mentioned Sholem Ash. One of the anecdotes that I'm I'm writing about is that in Kotick's Cafe, which was a very simple place in, in Warsaw, not cost a lot of money, and that was one of the attractions, that people could come and didn't have to spend a lot of money to buy drinks and food. Uh, uh, Sholem Ash was already making a name for himself and earned quite a lot of money, and then one day he had to pay for something that cost maybe five kopecks, and he came with a, with a note of a hundred kopecks there's a description that everybody was amazed because they have never seen it before and mr kotick didn't e- didn't even have enough change to give him and, and you could see immediately how the younger and and, and and more and poor writers would react to something like that when somebody like Sholem Ash suddenly is moving from a young beginner poor writer is trying to make it into some, somebody who is already up there so there's all kind of divisions between old gods and new gods, between different poetic groups, between different political orientations, sometimes between Jews and non-Jews. So, you know, the, as, as as much as the coffeehouse kind of breaks boundaries uh, and, and, and facilitates Jews and non-Jews, and also in terms of gender, it also emphasizes many of these barriers. And then who are the people who are in and... Uh, 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 the habitués or the stammgast and who are who are not. So, a lot of the literature that is written about it uh, uh, emphasizes these, you know, emphasizes these two con- contradictory elements. You know, on one hand, the coffee house is a place that uh, breaks boundaries and enable a place of meeting, and on the other hand, something that accentuates all these different tensions around gender, around class, around politics, around language. Between Jews and non-Jews, anti-Semitism, all these different elements find their uh, uh, find their manifestation in the experience of the coffee house, and then, of course, in the literature that is written about about the coffee house.
0: Some people tell me that I'm very Pollyanna-ish, <laughs> uh-huh. but also, would you? Would you imagine that these coffee houses also allowed for possibility? You take somebody like Agnon who arrives, as you say, from a shtetl, mm-hmm. and suddenly he's able to see the possibilities. You talk about um, boundaries and in terms of language, and I know for many of these writers there were internal and external dialogues about, do I want to write in Hebrew, do I want to write in Yiddish, do I want to write in Russian? And did these cafes um, and the time to interact with others allow for them to explore that possibility?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's true. I mean the, the 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 cafe allows them to to explore these possibilities and to interact in many different languages and being exposed to uh, uh, to many different languages where you know there there' there's been there' been very strong debates around it and kind of the political and ideological situation as we especially at the beginning of the twentieth century as we move with Zionism and Chernovich conference and towards world war one and and all these upheavals and, and, and events, people have to kind of choose sides, right? And, and uh, I mean, Agnon is a good example, and Sholemash is also a good example. There are many other examples, but uh, uh, both of them started as bilingual writers, and Sholemash became known and, and kind of chose to focus mostly on Yiddish, and Agnon chose to focus mon- mostly uh, in Hebrew, but... Um, but 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 the cafe was really a space of multilingual activity, so you could argue that that their experience of the cafe exposed them to different possibilities and kind of enabled them to choose or to see which in which world they will be more kind of successful more acceptable you know kind of uh, uh, take their political route but but the, but, but but the coffee house also uh, 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 never never lets one kind of forget that these people were always multilingual, and, 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 and the, the the coffeehouse also allowed for um, for different different uh, uh, different ideologies and different political movements. You know, if we if we think so let let's move uh, a little bit, uh, uh, Lemberg and and Warsaw, and talk about Berlin. If you look at a place like Romanisches Café. Um, you, you, you can see some people describing it as a kind of pan-Jewish space where there is a table for Zionists and a table for Yiddishists and a table for communists or socialists, right? And, and, and you could walk from one table to another and there'll be kind of alliance al- around, Yidi, al- around language and maybe around ideology and around uh, 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 politics, you know, at the same time, there, there is a there is a very strong subjective experience that that colors all of these because it's it's, it's very interesting that when we look at German descriptions of the same place, uh, uh, Romanisches Café, they hardly mention the, the 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 presence of Jews, whether Zionist or socialist or Yiddishist or Hebraist, You know, for them, it's just. A German cafe a place that is very important for German modernism and for expressionism and other so how do you reconcile the fact that <laughs> you know you have all these different descriptions and the same place can be seem you know seem like the most important place i mean uh, uh, we have Daniel charney, the Yiddish writer who says that romanische's cafes in the nineteen twenties was really the place where almost all of that all of yiddish literature came through and passed through, and it was really kind of the incubator of so much of Yiddish culture and then you have from a German point of view, they hardly notice that you know these people even exist and I, I, I think part of the of the solution to understand it is that so much of the experience of of the coffee house because you know there is the space of the coffee house and the food and the drink but much more much more important is the is the the activity that actually takes place there and how people experience it in in a subjective way, and it's a very exper- experiential uh, um, understanding of what was going on there. Uh,
0: I have time for one really quick question, then, that's yes. a, a bit of a follow up for that,
1: uh-huh. which
0: is as a this may sound silly, but if you could time travel or go to one of the cafes, is there one in particular that you would want to place yourself in?
1: Oh, wow. There's so many. <laughs> There's so many. I mean, the, 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 the problem is that you know these places don't exist anymore there's mm-hmm. only maybe one or two places that still exist cafe central in vienna is a good example of them of of one of those places and it's kind of it's really more of a tourist attraction more a, muse- a museum than 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 a real place um so yeah i mean you know i would i would love to be able to go to cafe royale in new york because i even after spending all the time reading about it and seeing even some photographs and I still don't understand what was the atmosphere like, you know. It's such a, it was such a huge place, and it seemed like such a strange mixture of American culture and Jewish culture, and, you know, you have the divas from the Yiddish theater, and you have the writers, and you have at the back a whole different experience with people playing games and gambling. and. You know, I, I still feel like I don't understand it, so I would love to go back there. Uh, I mean, this is one of the places that still existed until the 1950s, and uh, and was very much at the heart of the Yiddish theater area, right on Second mm-hmm. on Second Avenue. So this is one place I would love to uh, to uh, to be able to go. Another place is, is in, in in Tel Aviv. Um, you know, the, the the place that also continued until. The 70s, but I would love to go and be there in the 40s and 50s because you know this was the time, because uh, the this was the time that the state of Israel was was established and the 1948 war and the new generation of sabras. But uh, uh, the owner of the cafe was uh, was uh, was a man from Galicia, and he loved Chigan and Shumacher and the Yiddish writers who would be in, in Israel. So I. It's, it's, it's so it's so fascinating how one place can be a really central place in kind of Isra- israeli culture new israeli culture that has been uh, 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 created in in this time and really moving into sabra and hebrew culture and at the same time it was something that was that was the experience of many people they experienced it very much like coffee houses in new york and in warsaw and in and in other places. So I would love to go there. I guess I would love to go both to Kassit and to Cafe Royal around this period of the forties and fifties, just after the Holocaust and the beginning of something that is kind of new, both kind of distinct American Jewish culture and Israeli culture, and yet these two places were very very important in kind of continuing something that began in the mid 19th century and was very strong before the holocaust in Europe and these places were really kind of continuation of that culture in New York and in Tel Aviv.
0: Wasikart well, thank you so much for joining me today and um for also taking us on this journey in the book. Um you take us to great places and it's an, it's a wonderful way to understand cultural history. Um, For our listeners, A Rich Brew, How Cafes Created Modern Jewish Culture, is available through the Yiddish Book Center's online and on-site English language bookstore at shop.yiddishbookcenter.org. We look forward to another visit with you with your next book, and thanks again for the book and for taking the time today.
1: Thank you very much, Lisa. I really enjoyed the
0: conversation. Okay. Be well. Talk soon. Okay. Thanks.
1: You've been listening to The Schmooz, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. My name is Kyle Pishoneri, and I'm a member of the Center's summer staff. For more of this podcast, visit yiddishbookcenter.org. I recommend checking out episode number 88, Lisa Newman's conversation with the former governor of Vermont, Madeleine Koonin, about the rediscovery and restoration of the lost girl, a folk art project in a Burlington synagogue. Until next time, be well, be healthy. Saigasun.